Hello, Richard Edgar here, and a bit of housekeeping first. We'll be publishing the CIO updates once a month from now on, and you can think of them as your quick monthly check-in with the boss. Then, two weeks later, you'll get a full episode of Rich Pickings, which reviews Fidelity's asset allocation moves and explores in detail the themes and research driving those decisions. Okay, lots going on in the market this week, so let's get straight into my conversation with Fidelity's Global Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey, recorded this morning, the 11th of June. Oh, hello, Andrew. It's been a month since you were last on this uh, podcast. What's been the, the biggest change in your thinking since then? I think the most important part is that uh, you know we spoke a lot about Helium and the process of um, how that would play out when we'd seen the you know underlying market dynamics showing signs of, uh, of recovery. But if I'm honest, that the uh, speed and size of the uh, the moves that we've seen have been um, uh, you know, both impressive, but also the way in which they have gradually progressed. And uh, I give great credit to my uh, colleague Steve uh, Ellis, uh, as we've discussed this a great deal around uh, you know, points of almost ignoring the uh, the economy and economic data and just looking at the uh, wealth of uh, the intervention and the degree to which liquidity would drive markets. And I think what's been interesting is it's unleashed a form of animal spirits, uh, especially in the US in the, uh, the interim. So I think that liquidity build up in risk taking and the sort of almost relentless uh, nature of it uh, you know, has been a uh, you know a surprising uh, element, considering that you know we've still been a little cautious as we see you know how does this play out in the real economy? What are the circumstances that come from here? That's that's what I want to to pick you up on actually, because um, you're right. Don't bet against the Fed. And um, yesterday we're we're speaking the day after uh, they came out with more dovish guidance. But we have seen a lot of data, lots of forecasts this um, past week that are pointing in all sorts of directions. So the US jobs numbers, they were better than expected. Some markets are recovering their their losses quite dramatically, as you point out. We've got the Chinese uh, macroeconomic data, they're very strong. But on the other side, um, global COVID-19 numbers, they're still growing. There's very serious warnings from the OECD, especially for Western Europe. And this month's um, fidelity leading indicator, um, one indicator of many, but it's fallen deeper into this gloomy quadrant. So what I'm really asking you, Andrew, is um, help. How do we make sense of all of that? Yeah, so I think that um, you know, it's, it's important to, uh, to now think about what will be you know, the key influences as we look um, forward, that clearly the, the authorities' actions, uh, the, although we spoke about that healing process and would lead to a degree of recovery, it has gone you know, further than expected. But I think that when you look at the underlying dynamics of the markets now, I actually am even more cautious. Uh, I think that we're actually at the point where uh, you know, if you were fortunate enough to have put a few more cards on the table and uh, uh, won a few more chips, I'd be taking some of those chips away and uh, waiting to see you know, how it plays out from here. Is this now the, the, the time when, when shoeshine boys are giving stock tips? Uh, well, we have seen signs of that. Um, it's been an extraordinary period where uh, you know, the press has been full in recent days of uh, you know, that animal spirits of uh, you know, s- uh, very small retail traders uh, all of a sudden becoming quite big retail traders um, you know, through the way in which they've benefited from us. But I think it's important to then think about how the rally has formed. We went from the high quality, the, the resilient companies as we saw them through into a degree of 
sort of the cyclical and more reflation orientated as that um, belief started to to grow. And I think it was very interesting that you've seen the return of value as well. Um, that you know we've had you know is it a bounce rather than a change? But we're at very long term, um, you know, very uh, extreme levels, but it's shown signs of life at least. But now we've gone into almost the trash, you know, into the sort of zombie uh, conversation of everything being supported, and therefore if it is. Um, you know, buying up things that look remarkably um, uh, you know, cheap and marked down. And I think that's uh, a slightly worrying signal in that we're getting very extended. You think that shift into value isn't sustainable then? Um, it's, it, it, it could flip-flop? The way I view, uh, view that is that we're in a process that um, uh, you know, we need to see more signs to, to support it. Um, I think there's been, uh, you know, said before that the environment is different to the GFC and that the banks should be part of the transmission of uh, help around the recovery rather than being the problem. Um, that, you know, we should be seeing that where this excess liquidity plays through, you know, where does it surface in terms of the sort of supply and demand shock, um, you know, effects. And I think some of those will come through into degrees like, you know, materials and some of the, uh, you know, metals and, uh, and others. And we've seen, you know, small signs of that. But I think that you're still in an environment where it's going to be, you know, relatively volatile in some of these um, relationships until we see, you know, is the, the medium to longer term going to be something about a real re-rating of growth, the, the cost of all of this debt um, and the, the impact of how that's been managed. The other side of how you know, the liquidity um, provided by central banks gets captured into you know, economies through fiscal policy and is retained for some time and does that create you know, degree of uh, you know, price pressure going forward? I think these things are still open questions. And so therefore, I think that you, you're going to find periods where things like value will do better. And I think that you know, one of the things I would highlight is that the European um, moves of recent days, both the German moves, but also the steps towards debt mutualization are actually very encouraging. And if you look to Europe as an area to do better, many of those have that sort of value linkage as well um, in terms of uh, you know, underlying individual companies, but also the way in which we look at uh, investing into Europe versus other areas. Does this mark a, um, a turning point then for Europe? Because you, you've talked about um, some of the help there, the, um, the German government um, uh, introducing 130 billion euros of fiscal stimulus. Um, also last week, the ECB with uh, almost doubling the, um, its, its bond buying programme. Um, does that mean that Europe's now got a grip, so to speak? Well, I think the more important part, if I was, is um, you know, the EU plan to have uh, you know, a recovery fund that actually is about grants rather than loans and to be about a form of debt mutualization through time you know going out and actually issuing debt on behalf of of Europe and that being able to go directly to some of the uh, the countries that really need it for uh, support um, I think the German move is you know we're used to Europe disappointing if I'm honest um, in terms of expectations and then delivery you know they've actually been over uh, delivering and that I think is encouraging um, the challenge is, though, and this comes back to uh, you know, in some of the things looking forward, which I think rest around politics, rest around how does the you know the COVID nineteen unwind of lockdown and then uh, you know other effects and the speed at which activity picks up is still big uncertainties, and that's why I think you know, when I assess that where we are today, I think some of the dialogue that could start to build up is around politics. Um, funnily enough, I think that's more to do with the US 
than it necessarily is to do with um, Europe. But sadly, we will see Brexit on the agenda as well shortly. And so, well, can I ask you about those two? Because um, in the context of a global pandemic, which is you know seized the entire world, can you put into context how important? Um, first of all, the US election is. It's, it's 20 weeks away, um, and um, it's, it's almost extraordinary it's come around um, so quickly, it seems. Um, and also, you talked about Brexit. Um, you know, Br- Britain, a small economy, but um, perhaps um, on track for a, a no-deal um, Brexit. How economically important are those two events, two very different um, size of economies, but in the global context? So I'm, I'm going to have to um, first look to the US because I think that's far more important. Um, uh, you know, we are talking still about the world's largest economy. Um, we're talking about something that I think is is fundamentally very important because the policy shift um, that could occur if the Democrats were able to secure not just the uh, Congress but also the Senate. Uh, as well as obviously the presidency, that uh, if Mr. Biden were to win, um, you know, it would be uh, you know, an enormous shift in terms of the the thought process there, because uh, you know it's already discussed around the the tax policy unwind. You know that could immediately play back into unwinding some of the tailwind that the corporate um, world has had. Um, it also, uh, you know, for honest, means that they will continue to do. You know, significant su- support at this stage, but the challenge in this next twenty weeks, and I think you know, we'll be looking to markets to give signals as well. Um, but if you look into polls, if you look into the betting markets, you know the way in which the Democrats have picked up, and interestingly, you know the markets have done very well. Mr. Trump's standing has not improved, and that I think is an interesting disconnect because normally these are pretty close. There's a lag, but they normally you would see it come through, but it's not happening just yet. So maybe there's a little bit of that to come, but I think the, the markets will start to look at this. And you know, in some ways, the markets will start to tell us uh, as we go into the last sort of uh, you know, eight to 10 weeks how nervous they really are. And I think that you know, some of the dialogue will pick up now. Switching across to to Brexit, it isn't as directly important on a global scene, but it certainly is very important for the, for the UK. Uh, we've heard from the CBI and how you know the sort of resilient testing uh, nature of uh, COVID nineteen, um, you know, it almost put them at breaking point if there was a, a no deal at this this stage. Um, I think that politicians, you know, generally work their way to try and kick this uh, down the can, uh, kick the can down the road, and try to try and hold on to um, some semblance of stability. It is getting progressively more difficult, but I think that we still, you know, uh, the underlying scenario is that they will try and find a way where you know it's it's a form of of relatively weak deal with more work to to be done. But it's quite important because. Uh, obviously, you know, there could be real tremors that feed around um, uh, you know, the economy and across markets because you know, the UK and Europe and the sort of the hub nature of, um, uh, that London is, uh, you, know, you can't lose sight that that would have ramifications if all of a sudden there really was uh, you know, mass uncertainty for um, you know, key parts of the service industry. Well, a lot going on. Before we go there, we're going to see you in a month's time, bringing the the time horizon a little bit um, a little bit forward. What are you going to be telling your portfolio managers to focus on between now and then? 
Well, I think the key thing, um, and that we should never uh, you know, step away from, is that uh, you know focus on underlying individual companies and how you know their positioning, how resilient we really think they they are. Uh, despite my comments, uh, and I remember you asking me that um, uh, you know, are there any risk-free assets left? And I, I said to you that well, actually, you know, everything's a risk-free asset. That I wish I'd listened to my own words. Um, but um, you know, now I think that will start to unravel to a degree, and it'll be back to you know our um, portfolio managers and our analysts, you know, focusing on the quality of uh, of the companies that we own. That uh, you know, the reality of what's happening for them and how they're responding. Um, and I think you know, some of these other influences will, will play out and maybe you know, influence um, some of the broader trends and, uh, and pricing. But as long as we're focusing on to that underlying dynamics of uh, individual companies and, and the securities we own for uh, uh, you know, our investors, uh, then we'll be able to na- navigate this uh, process um, effectively. Okay, well, thanks very much, Andrew. That brings us uh, to the end of this CIO update. You can hear more from Fidelity's investment team on the coronavirus crisis, market response and investment implications on both our Rich Pickings and Fidelity Answers podcast channels. Just search for Rich Pickings or Fidelity Answers in your podcast app. And you can read all of the latest thinking online at fidelityinternational.com. Steve Gardner produced and edited this podcast with production support from Maddie Fletcher and Alex Wilcox. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.